former student posed the question, should I stretch myself to buy something that is renovated or something that is cheaper and do the reno myself? Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. talking about that common question, should I renovate or not? As always, there is no single right or wrong answer. Or it all depends on you and actually the property that we're talking about as well. Yes. But believe me, not everybody should take on a renovation. And as with every week, Megan is sitting in front of some amazing building, often a home, not always, and this one does not look like a, a single house. Um, what Don't is that in the video be behind you? It's like a oh, chrysanthemum with lots of pools. Yes. So it's just beautiful. It is the Lotus Temple in New Delhi. And just another reason to thank good architects for their creativity. I mean, look at that. It, it is, is amazing. Just st- don't you just want to go and sit and look at it? So are they pools around the edge of it, you know? Yeah, so it's almost like a, a moat kind of around it. And then oh. they've got the, the bridges that go across into the main building. I want to be in the pool, though. I get the feeling. Stunning. I got the feeling they're not really pools for humans, though. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't very nice. All right, here we go. So, renovating is something that um, it comes onto the radar quite a lot in a rising property market, where people go, "Well, the only way I'm going to get into the market is if I buy some heap of crap and renovate it." (laughs) Um, And or the old, I'm going to buy the worst house in the best best street. street. Yeah. (laughs) Or I've been watching. I've been watching the block and anyone can do this. Yes, and I can do it in six weeks with $100,000. Oh, no, you yeah. <laughs> Look, you know, a big question that you have to ask yourself is, can you see the vision or do you have to see the end product? Now, we work with buyers all the time and I know that I can have a couple who he or she can see what something can be. I can walk into a place and I can say, look, if you did this, move that, change that wall, extend it out here, did this, um, this is what you'd end up with. And one of them will go, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> and the other one will go, I just I can't don't see, see it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always 
couples. <laughs> There's or, always opposites in couples. Um, you know, if you've got, you got singles looking, they're either one extreme or the other. Like there's no two ways about it. <laughs> Sometimes though, and maybe even more annoying, is the person that sees potential in everything and not every property should be renovated. <laughs> We call them um, sow's ears, don't they? You can't turn a sow's ear into a, into, into a silk purse. Yeah. That's it. You can't <laughs> polish a turd into a strawberry. Um, it's like, you know, I've had people walk through like skinny little houses because, of course, in, in the area in which I operate, there's lots of skinny mm. little houses, little mm. terraces and, and semi-detached houses, and mm. and it might be on a really tiny block of land and people walking, oh, you reckon you could go up? And I said, yeah, but the problem is with going up here is that you would lose your second bedroom to a staircase, and then when you yes. go up, you get to put one bedroom in. So you end up with a two-storey, two-bedroom home. You might have an extra bathroom, but you have just spent a lot of money to get a bathroom. Just leave it as it is. <laughs> my architect often talks about, I've, I've done a number of renovations over the years, and my architect o- often talks about the key to starting is situating the stairs. And a lot of people start without the stairs and they <laughs> want to plonk them in afterwards. But it's such a fundamental part of architectural design is getting those internal stairs right because nothing, you, you just can't, you know, where they enter in and out of rooms mm. and, and directions and all those sorts of things has such a big impact. So going, oh, yeah, we could do two bedrooms and a bathroom up there and we could turn that and that and that. Okay, so where is your staircase? Oh, just put a oh. lift in. <laughs> takes up less space (laughs) this is the thing with the staircase and and look we are digressing a little bit we're focusing on one thing but the the reality is an important question really you know it's it's big part of it and this is the thing whether you can afford it a good renovation has an end result that doesn't have you thinking oh i wish you'd done this or this or this or this and i'll tell you what stairs are one big issue and I often think oh I wish I'd done this or this right so they have to be you know in a Victorian terrace for instance they're really steep I've seen them at like 45 degree angle they're like oh. like climbing a ladder right Gosh. now you can't build a house with that or you can't add a, add an extension on and have a have a staircase that steep because it's no longer to code it's dangerous mm. but if it's existing and that's what was in the house when it was originally built you know you can leave them there but I have seen some attic conversions. So a lot of terrace houses have got quite a, you know, quite a uh, high pitch in the yeah, roof yeah. and an opportunity to to potentially go up and put another room up there. And I have seen them raging from fantastic conversions where you you got a nice easy staircase up there, you, it, it enters the room at the right spot so you've yeah. got a full floor, full plate. You don't have this raised section because quite often you have to have a raised section because it cuts into the roof of the the ceiling of the room down underneath like it's very complicated getting these right yes. the amount of times i've walked up staircases to go into an attic um and i've got my sunnies on my head and i have this oh and i've oh. whacked it and my sunnies <laughs> have hit my head and i'm not even that tall right so anyone taller than me has to duck right so that's very common yeah. also what happens is quite often i've seen them i don't know how they got them approved because they're really steep it's like climbing a ladder or other times the return the way that they've had to to return because they haven't had the the roof height and the length to actually have the one flight of stairs into the attic they usually have a turn somewhere mm-hmm. and so they enter the middle of the room which means that basically got this nice big room but then you've got a staircase in the middle of it which means you can't put a bed anywhere like oh, literally wow. you've got this room room outside it and then the other thing i often see is that just that 
um, you enter into a space where, you know, like so you might want to have a study up there, for instance, but it's got dormer window, you've got this sort of fairly high-pitched ceiling, and if you put a desk against the wall, you can't actually put a computer on it because <laughs> the roof runs down the to the back of the desk, you know. So they've spent all this money creating a room that actually isn't usable. Oh, and, gosh. And, and that's just one one small thing. So one. you're right, you know, those people that walk in and say, I can see the vision, but they've forgotten the key element, which is how you get from one level to another one. Yeah. Um, it's all well and good to think that. But, but um, you know, we often talk about clunky layouts. And if you can't fix a layout, then it's not a property that should be renovated. You, no. should, you should never put money into a property that still that doesn't have that functional flow and that that ability to work as a, a fully functioning property for the demographic and, and number of people that it's actually designed for. So, you know, if it's a two-person house or a three-person house or a six-person house, it has to, you have to have that right balance of bedrooms, bathrooms, living spaces. Outdoor um, space. Outdoor spaces, mm. connections and, and how things flow or can be shut off. And there is a, a, a bit of a, a movement at the moment. I don't know if you've noticed it, but um, in Queensland, we were very, very focused on open plan areas, lounge, mm. dining, kitchen, all in together. There's a little bit of a movement at the moment towards having some separation yep. in the living spaces, which yep. is, um, you know, very much that colder climate, smaller spaces, able to be shut off for noise and warmth, um, sort of going back to those not so much formal areas, but just an, you know, an area where you can break away from all of the noise of the common space. And that's exactly it. I mean, certainly when I renovated my house, I've got a big sort of 1.2 metre wide sliding door that when that's open, the the living area and the kitchen and dining area, they morph into each other. Mm -hmm. But when it's closed, you can actually have those as separate spaces. So if my daughter's deciding she wants to, not that kids watch television anymore, they do everything on their computers, but um, <laughs> if she happened to be in the lounge room, I could be in the kitchen, the dining area, and and you know, and you can have our own separate sort of privacy and not inflict each other's entertainment choices on each other. But so, <laughs> so the house or the property that you're looking at renovating, you know, to sum this rambling part of the mm. episode up, <laughs> it has to deserve being renovated, and it's called adding value. And if you're not actually adding value, and it's not just monetary value, it's adding utility and adding usability to mm. that house. So, like I said before, if you're going to lose a room to put a staircase in, you need to get a lot more on the upper level to compensate for that. Yeah. Um, and if you're not, then you have to think, well, is it worth it? So, are you actually detracting from the value yeah. rather than adding to the value? And it's it's a really good point that you make because in in assessing whether a property is Deserves to be renovated or not, you actually have to do a bit of a feasibility study mm. to say, okay, well, I can see the vision for this property. I can work out where to put the stairs. I know that the, the uh, balance of bedrooms, bathrooms, living spaces, I know I can get you know that roughly right in my head. But what is it going to cost to get from A to B, C, yeah. D, or E? Um, and, and is it something that you can uh, sort of stage and, and, and do bits of along the way? Or is it something that literally have to go from A to Z and, and there's no stopping in between? So what's it worth now? What's it worth and what now? What will it be worth, you know, if in what today's market if you did that work? The end. And how much is it going to cost mm. to get there? Because what we've seen, um, particularly since, say, COVID through to where we are heading towards the end of 2022, 
is quite a dramatic increase in the price of renovate or the cost of renovations and access to tradies is actually becoming a little more difficult because they're very busy with an awful lot of different kinds of work whether it be building you know the the building incentives that are out there, the first home buyer grants that encourage new builds. A lot of tradies are really busy on those sorts of projects. So their prices have actually been increasing as well as the price of actual cost, you know, cost of goods. So copper, metal, steel, all of those sorts of co- transport to get things from one place to another. All of these costs have gone up. So what might have been an estimate for a renovation of, let's call it, you know, a million dollars two years ago could actually be about $1.3 million now. So there's been quite an, you know, when you're doing that estimate of what's it going to cost to buy, what would it be worth in the end and how much is it going to cost to get me there? um, A lot of people are actually finding at the moment that maybe that's not a viable project to do because the end cost will be so much more than what the property is worth. Yeah. Now, obviously in that two, you're trying to, you know, it's it's tempting to try to say, oh, but prices will be higher then. And, you know, they might be. <laughs> Rely they on might the growth. be. But you do sort of have to do your calculation in today's dollars just to give it some relativity and context. Um, I know, I mean, I've renovated a number of properties. I know you have too, Megan. So, therefore, you know, we're fully uh, aware of um, how costs can, can blow out. One yes. of the ways costs blow out is because people change their mind all the time. And so uh, I know that. Certainly with my most recent renovation, I made an absolute commitment to myself that I would make all my decisions ahead of time um, and I would not change my mind. Now, that's not to say that throughout the build, my builder sometimes suggested a couple of things and we tweaked things and we could see opportunities to do do things slightly differently as the build progressed. But I didn't go in there going, oh, I'm not really sure about those kitchen cupboards now. I'm not really sure about that wall or that door or whatever. Um, I made an absolute commitment once once we were once things had started that was it wasn't changing a thing because I was mad madam ass in terms of in terms of my my budget it was like no I that's managing a project isn't it yes, you know, that's it making sure that your your project management your 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 um, costings are, are right but also that you know from a mindset point of view you're not just a bit fluffy about oh yeah you know tiles we've we've got a PC amount of eight hundred uh, eighty dollars. Uh, a square metre, but gee, I like those $300 mm. tiles. And they are much nicer $300 tiles than $80 a square metre tile. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, getting that PC amount right at the start means that mm. you haven't got the cost blowout at the end. Um, so doing a little bit of shopping around and understanding what your cost, cost might be for those sorts of items, pretty important to do. But managing a time, a project, um, and this is what you're doing, you're managing a project. Uh, some people have project managers that they put in place, some people have architects. These people still need your guidance and you still need to be on top of them. So whether you as an individual have got the time, so we're talking about whether, you know, you should stretch yourself to buy a renovated place or maybe buy an unrenovated place and do the renovation y- yourself using trades. But have you got the time to actually be on top of the project, the time frame, the milestones, the costs, the tradies that are coming and going, um, the the material movements. Now that's a that's a big part of the builder's job. But you as the owner, you know, ultimately you need to be across those sorts of things and variations, which is what we talked about, where you change your mind that's outside the scope of the original um, scope of works or the contract that you've signed. Those variations, you need to keep a pretty tight um, mm. hold of because they can really add up, and that's 
that's a legitimate cost that if you say, oh, instead of that, I want this and it costs more, then that's a variation of the contract and you pay more for that. So in a fixed term, fixed price contract, those variations can really start to add up if you're not in, in control of them. Yeah, and they'd also have additional labour costs as well. Mm. It, it's um, The whole project managing thing is interesting because if you don't project manage or you don't have a project manager or your architect's not project managing, and often with first home buyers, they don't have the luxury of having an architect and, mm. and all those additional people, um, the builder is left to make decisions on site as they go. And I guess the first renovation I did, I was really quite shocked at that. You know, I just thought, well, an architect designs it and surely the builder just builds to the plans. And then the builder started showing me, well, I've got this sort of this odd sort of um, roof alignment or roof uh, line in the front of this particular house. And he was very proud of himself. I may have told this story before on the podcast. <laughs> he was very proud of himself of how he'd finished off all the, all the plastering on the inside. And I was like, oh great yeah like don't you have plans to build too i don't understand why you're so proud of yourself you know i learned not long after that i actually learned oh oh so he gets two-dimensional drawings aren't necessarily specifying all of those details right yeah. and if you do have two-dimensional drawings that specify all of those details you've just paid your architect a lot more money than i paid my architect yes so so i was fortunate i had a, a builder who had good ability to actually he was technically good right mm, and a good i've seen solver. i've seen some pretty horrible uh examples of builders who weren't technically good who have made their decisions on site as to how they should finish something off and then you go oh my god yes and they're not easy to undo mm -mm. you think about queenslanders they have vertical joint boards so the the vertical joints run run up and down um there's two ways of finishing those there's a square edge and you've got to work out how to finish it and some really poor quality builders will put um some sort of um, like a strip yeah strip on the outside mm. of it really good quality builders will actually do the mitre the 45 mm. degree and they come in beautifully and the painters just sort of finish them off that's a big difference to you know someone like me walks into a house goes oh cheap versus oh nice <laughs> i and do it, that yeah. with bathroom tiles it's exactly the same thing a good tiler you won't see the join, but a crap tile, they've got those metal strips on the edge, on the corners yep. of the of the bathroom. It's exactly the same principle. <laughs> um, and so you don't know this stuff, right? And so I guess the, the thing is, should I renovate or not, is go and educate yourself a bit about these sorts of things. Get an understanding of the shortcuts that a builder will take if they don't care, if they if they don't, you know, they don't or they don't they're know any better. You yeah. know? Particularly if you um, choose a builder because they're the cheapest. I mean, really. A bit like buying a C grade or a D grade property. Uh, really? Don't do <laughs> Here's it. Here's another one. Here's one I hate. It's like you go into houses that have been renovated and you're walking through the floors and they might, might have timber floors, right? And you get to a bathroom and there's there's a ledge, like a lip about 20 centimetres or 30 cent, uh, sorry, millimetres, 20 millimetres, 30 millimetre lip, right? Because the tiles, they haven't accounted for the difference in levels of having to waterproof and put tiles down in bathrooms. Now, a really well thought out renovation is seamless. There is no lip in your bathroom. You don't kick your toe. You don't stub your toe on on the when you get to the bathroom floor, <laughs> because it's been thought through by all the trades. They know how to build quality, and so they're not going to slap dash and oh, forgot about that. That's extra depth. <laughs> Little things like that they make a big difference. They do. They do. Um, although I have to admit that uh, that can be the case if you want. Um, 
frameless showers and things like that, you actually do have to get the, the, the direction of the water going the right way and you might end up with the, the lip when you have an existing joist or floor or concrete slab that you can't do anything with. So I guess there are exceptions to that as well. Well, having a builder that discusses those things with you and Being the trader rather than just builds yeah. it and goes, yeah. oh, but I thought you wanted it that way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that really um, so, so being involved, not just leaving it to the builders to do it. Like you got to mm. go there. I think. Do you, you have the time? Do you have yeah. the interest? Do you have the skills to do that? You know, there are so many people that are very good in their area of expertise, in their jobs, in their careers. But this is just going to be way outside your ability to manage minute details that you're not even aware that you need to be managing. Mm. So, you know, the most intelligent people that I know aren't going to be very good managers of renovations. But that doesn't mean they're not intelligent. It just means that that's a gap. They don't have time to fill with knowledge. Well, that's the same goes for very intelligent clients that I have and they're hopeless at buying property by themselves. Oh, yes. You know? (laughs) But they're self-aware enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing But they got an expert. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) There are legalities around renovations as well, Veronica. You know, there's a lot that you need to know. Um, and it's not really always the builder's job to inform you about those sorts of things, whether it be building insurance or levies or superannuation that you have to pay on the builder's behalf. Like There's a lot of things that sit around that. Uh, and, and it's actually up to you to inform yourselves about those things and know where to go to find that information out. Yes. Well, there's a lot of levies and fees and, and things as well. Like So there's, there's all these sort of unknown unknowns. And even though I've done it you know, three times, I still get caught out. You know, yeah, so three times yeah. is not enough to be completely familiar with with all those things. And building um, codes are different according to different city plans and different uh, zones and different overlays. So what you might be able to do on one block of land in one area is quite mm. different to what you might have to do with a certain age property in a completely different area. I looked at a, a, a place, um, potentially thinking about buying a renovator, um, and it's got a chimney that goes all the way to ground mm. and it's a 19, uh, sorry, an 1888 property. Now, the the restrictions around that property are so much greater than anything built after 1911 in character areas. Mm. So unless you know those sorts of things, like that property probably can't be raised or moved and it's well forward on the block. You could not renovate it and get a garage in as it is. But if you bought that thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just knock the bottom of the chimney out and I'll move it backwards, no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a really good point. It's something that comes up a lot in, in my area of inner Sydney as well is that some a lot of properties are in conservation areas. So my house is in a conservation area. Now, when I've got a, a double-fronted freestanding house and when you first look, when I first, and it was in really crappy condition when I bought it, and and I looked at it and I thought well, it would be great if I could go up at the front. That'd be fabulous if I could go up at the front um, or even set back, you know, behind the first sort of hip, I think it's called, in the roof. Um, and I discovered it's a conservation area and also I'm on a side lane and the property on the other side of that lane is heritage listed. So there's no way in a million years I was going to be putting anything up anywhere near the front of my house. So that's a restriction that if I didn't find that out before I bought, I would have been sorely disappointed. I wouldn't be able to get what I wanted. Mm. So I went to my architect and said, can I get a four-bedroom, two-bathroom, one-car parking um, house on this site, in this block? And so I went to an architect that um, 
knows that lo local council and got that advice and you can often find like architects that will pay you can pay a few hundred bucks to get that advice. Get advice and mm. it's so worthwhile doing because and the other thing you know that people find or like building materials or like, or like you know they they think they're going to be able to put a window on the side of the house but because it's on the boundary they can't or you know there's all of this there's like you said um building codes that are in place to protect us in many cases mm. but then there's this um if there's a lack of understanding of what the codes might be and what you want to do versus what you think you should be able to do mm. versus what can be done, then those things can be checked out before you buy the property. And sometimes they're massive deal breakers. Like I, I've said to clients, I remember the one particular property, all the houses in the street had parking at the front, right? And there was this absolute no-brainer spot where you think, great, you should be able to put parking in there. Mm. So and I said, oh, look, we look and we talk about precedent. Oh, look, you look for precedent. So all the neighbours have done it. So, you know, you'd hope that's a good chance. Let's investigate that, right? Other people, and I know I've heard sales agents say this, look, the neighbours have all done it. I'm sure you'll be fine. So I'm not a sales agent. So we go and investigate that. Yeah, and the yeah. architect said, no way, no way in hell. That council has the attitude that if you put a car space in at the front of the property, you're taking away public parking. So that's it no nah, cannot get it done doesn't Can't matter do that everybody it. else has got it done isn't that a great lesson in mm. not assuming just mm. because the neighbors have done it don't assume that you can because yes. the house might be a different age it might rules have change. a different overlay rules change um the block size the frontage all of these things can affect what you can and can't do uh and and just just because that one looks really similar and they did it might not be the precedent that you actually need so good point actually it's not just an architect that I, I think is important to talk to it's also a town planner absolutely so having you know as part of your toolkit of of your support crew having a town planner you might pay them a few hundred dollars for an opinion on something but gee whiz it might save you a absolute bucket load of money in buying something and then not being able to do what you, you should be able you want to be able to do you know, I bought my house, the one I'm living in now. Um, I bought it from a couple of young gung-ho fellows and they'd only owned it for less than a year because they bought it from a Greek yaya who'd been here for 50 years, right? And they were all excited because they could see how run down it was and they thought they were going to knock it down and build two townhouses here. Now, they didn't, honestly, it was so easy to find out you couldn't do that, yeah. but they didn't bother. They just they just thought you could do it. So they spent all this money getting plans drawn up, lodging a DA and basically failing and then put it back on the market because they couldn't do what they wanted. Oh. Now, they were lucky enough to make a bit of money. I would have preferred to have bought it the year earlier and just, you know, be done with it, but I wasn't in the market a year earlier. So <laughs> they did make a little, they made a bit of money um, because the market was rising, not for any, not because they not were because clever. Good, yeah. But, you know, they failed in, in their most basic due diligence. So they, mm. they had all this plan to, to do something that was never going to be approved. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the thing about, um, you know, when you're tossing up between stretching to buy something that's done versus buying something that needs some work is you, you need to do due diligence on properties that have been renovated. You need to make sure that they were done in compliance with and certified with all of the relevant authorities. Mm. So there is still due diligence. You can't assume that what someone has done is actually to code been approved. <laughs> or been approved. So yes. that you still have to do that due diligence. But you you need to do a similar type thing leading up to potentially renovating. Just don't assume that you can knock it down or or you can put in that car park or you can go up that level. You know, these are all great stories that people can use to say, 
oh, hang on, red flag, I can't just assume that because the neighbours have done it that I will be able to do as well. You know, there's all that underground sort of thing that can affect you as well. Where does mm. the sewer run? Where's the stormwater? Um, are there any easements over the property that might prevent me actually building out towards the back? So lots of due diligence to do, but also to do it on properties that have been renovated. So neither one, you know, one thing or another might not be a showstopper, but a collection of things might be. A hundred percent. In fact, um, a couple of months back, we bought a property for a client that had been fully renovated and and they didn't have, and look, of course, in New South Wales, we have prescribed documents in our mm. contracts, so mm. therefore a, a sewer diagram. And all they had in there was a letter from Sydney Water saying, well, that they didn't have any records of a, of a sewer diagram. Now, I know because this is a prescribed document, the, an easy part of the contract, it's, it's not good enough to go, oh, there isn't one. Well, it's like, well, you need to go and bloody get one. <laughs> and the thing is that they're the ones that did the renovating. And what happens when you finish your renovation? Your plumber needs to actually drop a plant and send that off to, it I think it goes via the Office of Fair Trading in New South Wales to the um, Sydney Water, right? And so this should have been done when they renovated. The very fact that they're saying, oh, we d- they don't have one, it's not a good enough. And then we started digging and going, oh, and looks like actually it was built over the sewer line. So then you go, well, there's a whole nother load of things that we need Lots to look through required, to eh? say, well, has that been approved? Has it been in case? What happens if something goes wrong? Blah, blah, blah. Now, it's one of the benefits of doing our course. We do take, take you through all of these questions you need to ask, but I'll tell you what, most buyers wouldn't know no. that they need to do this. And in a hot market, they won't ask the questions because they're just so desperate to buy. But in a quiet market, the lawyers might start raising these questions and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it becomes an issue and trying to sell it. So we refuse to um, buy the property without them doing this stuff right so then it took a while and then they finally got all these things documentation or whatever and then we were satisfied and bought the property but um you know there's just no way i would buy a property particularly if it's built over the sewer line but when you don't even have a sewer diagram how do you even know and so in queensland that's something you've even got you've got a request (laughs) yes you, you actually have to order it and pay for it yourself but i think further to that veronica had they not been able to produce that documentation and those buyers had not had you representing them and they'd bought that property if the council becomes aware, aware mm. of um, illegal buildings or illegal renovations or extensions, they can issue a show cause notice and you have to either get that approved to current code or demolish it. Yeah. Now, that's pretty extreme. That's extreme. But it does happen. Yes. And, and this is the thing. If you're going to renovate, make sure you do it properly. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're going to buy a property, make sure that you actually check that they did it properly. And because if you do buy a renovated home, I'm like, let's face it, it would have been a hell of a lot easier for me to buy this done. You know, yeah, uh, would have, yeah. I would have moved in a lot quicker. You know, I wouldn't have had the because there's uncertainty around bill costs and there's always contingencies. And so oh, even though... And rent and it's inconvenient yeah, and, you know, exactly. there's a lot to think about. We haven't even touched on that in this episode. No. But, yeah, renting while you're renovating. I mean, some properties you can renovate while you're living in it. Others you have to move out. Like, so there's all these different considerations. Yeah. And these things have to be added into your costing. Mm. I'm about to do it myself. I'm about to embark on a major renovation of my house. Raise, build under. It's it's. I think it's about the fifth one I've done but I'm I lived for through the first two not this time I'm out of here so part of my actual feasibility um and and the financial costing actually involves well how much rent am I going to be paying during that time and it's important thing to 
factor in to mm. your equation because you you can't just go oh well oh hang on I've got an extra x yeah. hundred dollars a week that I need to pay in rent where's that going to come from mm. are you going to do more work and more commission get a second job like it's it has to actually be paid for on a week to week basis and you've got to insure the property while you're renovating it because you want to insure for the work that's been done the bit of the structure that's not going to be um, yeah. demolished. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and there's... some insurance companies won't insure it if you're out of it for more than 60 days. Mm. So it can get very complicated. It's cer- certainly worthwhile. I mean, I certainly um, enjoy living in a product that yeah. I was very involved in, in, you know, designing and even though I'm not the architect, but certainly yeah it's to my taste you know what i mean it, it's my home and it's got my touch everywhere um and that's great because you know there's very few i see that i would be happy to live in without yeah. feeling annoyed yeah so that's why i decided to do it again yeah but i'm a bit fussy so um <laughs> yeah most people aren't as fussy as me but maybe not you um oh look I, i've got to say you know i, I think people are there it's just how how much they're prepared to compromise on yeah, and a hell of a lot easier if you just buy the renovated product. Product, but also <laughs> you you don't have those um those uncertainties in terms of cost as well. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting. And Speaking of costs, if you if you do buy a renovator, uh, you've got to have a really good think about: Can I live in this? And I'm going to stage the renovation. Mm. Like, is it just going to be bits at a time? If you're doing a bathroom and it's only a one bedroom prop, a uh, one bathroom property, where are you going to shower and toilet while that bathroom's being done? Uh, are you going to have to you know, get out, get into an Airbnb or a friend's place for a period of time? Um, do you have the money to do the renovation? Because if you've saved everything and, and that goes into your deposit and your purchasing costs, how are you going to fund the renovation? Where's that money going to come from? Are you going to eat into uh, your contingency and potentially put yourself at a little bit of risk if some maintenance comes up unexpectedly? Um, and, and how are you going to then continue to sort of rebuild your buffer and your savings along the way lots to consider so we're not necessarily pro or anti it's very much case by case and so it's case by case in terms of your individual requirements and and aptitude and appetite and also the property itself does it deserve to be renovated a lot of first home buyers in particular will look at something entry level and think they'll have to renovate it but even then it's you got to be very careful you're buying something with the right bones so it's worthwhile renovating absolutely and once you get that renovation bug i tell you what it's very hard to <laughs> very hard to shake it <laughs> well you're a good case in point on that because you are about to embark on renovating at a time when trades are at all-time low tra- availability trades are all-time low the costs of supplies at an all-time high and rents are rising and you've got vacancy rates that are really low so congratulations megan you know we talk about trying to time eyes wide the, open <laughs> time the time the property market you picked the quadruple whammy there <laughs> i look forward to seeing the end i have product. contacts <laughs> i'll give I you have. updates as we go along yeah do <laughs> In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. 
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.